Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And joining us today is our guest. Why don't you tell the folks who you are? Hi, uh, I'm Evan, also from ToughPigs.com and a number of other places on the internet. And today... We are looking at uh, minutes 13 and 14 of the Muppet movie, uh, in which the El Slizo is the toughest, meanest, filthiest pest hall on the face of the earth. Uh, Kermit enters and encounters uh, a bunch of seedy characters, and Fozzie Bear takes the stage. Now, I gotta say before we start, definitely my 13th and 14th favorite minutes of this movie. <laughs> well, you, you got really uh, lucky with your, your episode choices here. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got four of your top 14 favorite minutes, Evan. That's great. All right. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so we already talked about James Coburn uh, last week. He uh, he has, I, I think, the the punchline to yet another of my favorite jokes in this movie. He says, it's the toughest, meanest, filthiest pestle on the face of the earth. Kermit says, why not complain to the owner? And James Coburn says, I am the owner. Great joke. What I love about that especially is the way that he, James Coburn kind of forcefully pulls his hat onto his head right before it cuts away. And yeah. then we cut to Kermit walking in. And it's like, I know we don't need to talk about the editing being a gem in the Muppet movie or whatever. But I think the timing helps that joke so much more. It's this little subtle touch and it's out of there before we really have time to think about it. It's the editing and also James Coburn's performance. I mean, there's a guy who knows to make the who knows how to make the most out of his limited screen time. For sure, yeah. Speaking of making the most of things, um, uh, little things, I love that when Kermit walks into this bar, they they took the time to make him push the beaded curtain out of the way with his hand. That's such a like cute little puppetry effect that they totally didn't have to do. But it, it shows so much just about how nervous he is and how out of place he feels. And it really is going the extra mile for, for the sake of just some characterization, some visual sure. characterization. Yeah, it's just one of these little details that, that just kind of, even if you don't notice it or think about it, it just kind of makes the Muppets seem more real. Well, I got to be honest, I've never noticed that or thought about it because I'm so distracted by those beads in the doorway. I love them so much. The beads strike um, me as a very 1970s thing. I think probably sure. because uh, the character Rhoda on Mary Tyler Moore show and Rhoda, the spinoff, had beads going into her apartment, I think, or maybe just to her bedroom. But I definitely associate these with the 70s. By the way, Austin sure. Powers was the 60s. I was going to say Austin Powers had them too. Yeah, Austin Powers actually slept through the entire 70s. So That's true. He has, but he, has, he was ahead, he was ahead of his ahead time because he had beads, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, but just those beads are such, it's one of these touches we, that we talk about this being Muppets in the real world. But for that, I remember as a kid, for that second, those few seconds, it felt like Kermit had entered just some like strange otherworldly place where they have beads in the doorway. And I couldn't, like, my brain couldn't comprehend why this was happening, but I was fascinated by it. And that's still kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so that means they're doing a good job at creating this this world of the movie. 
After going through the beads, Kermit uh, passes by a table where we have a waiter delivering French fried frog legs au gratin. Frog legs, something that I can't understand that sounds like Houdini, but I don't think that's a real dish. I don't know if any of these are real dishes. And frog legs stroganoff. I don't know if these are ways that frog legs are actually served. I'm certain that frog legs stroganoff is not a real thing. Yeah. Right? But either way, it's it's horrifying to Kermit. Sure, it's horrifying to me too. Yes. Uh, And the waiter, the waiter though, is not exactly a celebrity cameo, but uh, a notable cameo just the same. That is the director of this movie, James Frawley. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. Setting setting a precedent where the director of all three of the Jim Henson era Muppet movies uh, has an on screen cameo, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but I was gonna say about the El Slizo in general. Um, I just love it. Looks so much like a gin joint from an old Hollywood movie. Like you know, Casablanca is the is the obvious reference point. But I don't know if either of you guys have seen like Only Angels Have Wings or Five Graves to Cairo or some those kind of movies. I only watch movies with talking frogs in them. So, Edward G. Robinson uh, was in Key Largo, which kind of he kind of qualifies. <laughs> he, he qualifies, yeah. <laughs> and that's one bar that looks like this. Um, but, uh, anyways, uh, no, just there. So it, it it doesn't look specifically like any of those, but it just has a similar feel to what these like bar skeezy kind of hangouts looked like in old 40s movies i don't know i just love it i think yeah that's interesting i I guess casablanca is a good comparison as to just like the idea of what a cd bar looks like right so i just wanted to say that before we before we got into all the cam before we got into the cameo fest yeah we have a, a series of cameos here um kermit approaches the bar and actually though before i get to that so there was going to be another cameo here in that uh, June 1978 draft of the script that we've been citing uh, periodically. So last week I mentioned that Kermit encountered uh, Henry Kissinger as a sheriff at a gas station. So then in this scene, just a couple minutes later, Kermit was going to see, uh, he was going to walk past Henry Kissinger at the bar uh, drinking, you know, like drowning his sorrows because Kermit wouldn't let him in the movie. <laughs> so Henry Kissinger cameo number two. I love that they were just like completely sure that they would get Henry Kissinger to be in this movie. Either that, or they just thought it was funny. Like maybe Jerry Jewell and uh, Jack Burns were like, "Let's just write this in and see if you know, see what Jim Henson says." Yeah, I I can't imagine that they thought he would do it. Was he Secretary of State at this time? No, he was five years. Out. He was he was Secretary of State under Richard Nixon. So ending in nineteen seventy four. Oh, so what was okay, he? At, so yeah, what was he, he was, at this time? Well, he was he was a re, he was a retired diplomat. <laughs> All right. So maybe he could have. Yeah, I guess so. He probably had, probably had some time on his hand. I wonder if they actually asked him to do it. You know, I guess someone could ask him, but he might not remember. Uh, someone could ask Jack Burns, I suppose, right? Or J- or James Frawley. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, let's. Uh, are any of them on Twitter? Is is Henry Kissinger on Twitter? I don't think so. Too bad. Uh, uh, we should just. Who's the current Secretary of State? We'll ask them because I Rex assume Tillerson. I assume Rex Tillerson has access to all of this material. It's, well, it's 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 Rex Tillerson at the time of this recording. That's what I was going to say. That I I don't think we can guarantee that this, any cabinet member at the time of our recording will be the cabinet member by the time we post the episode. 
Right. Topical. Right. After Henry Kissinger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, there's other people at the bar. Yes, the cameos that we actually see in the completed movie. There's Madeline Kahn. She sees Kermit and says, hey, sailor, buy me a drink. Um, I, I know I've told you this before, Ryan. Like, outside of wife, Rosalind, who is my actual dream girl, Madeline Kahn is like my number two dream girl of all time. I think she's the greatest. She was so talented. She was so beautiful. She was such a great singer. She could do all kinds of stuff. So much fun to watch. Yeah, that's that's perfectly reasonable. Um. She is another one of our uh, Muppet Show guest stars to appear in the movie. She appeared in season two, so about a year before shooting her appearance in the movie. Uh, in that episode, Gonzo falls in love with Madeline Kahn, and she has to kind of let him down gently. And She's the third Muppet Show guest star, for those keeping track. Yeah, Muppet Show guest star number three. And she was on Sesame Street a few times. Um, she did some inserts, most notably Sing After Me with Grover, which is one of the all-time great Sesame Street things. Yeah, if you haven't seen Sing After Me uh, and you're not currently driving a car, um, stop the podcast. We'll be here when you get back and, and cue that up on YouTube. Uh, yes, you'll, do, you'll thank us. Do that. Okay, do you think, and, uh, do you think they're back? Let's give them another second. Okay. Um, I was going to say about her being on Sesame Street, a particular favorite of mine was the one a few years after Sing After Me, where she and Richard Hunt, bird watching society, try to convince Big Bird to move to their bird sanctuary. It was like almost a dry run for the plot of Follow That Bird a few years right. after that. Right. They're, they're bird watchers who are amazed to find Big Bird living on Sesame Street, and they decide that he would be better off uh, living with other birds. Um, she did tragically die young at age 57 in 1999. But before that, she also became the third Muppet movie actor to appear in a Pixar movie. She was in A Bug's Life as Gypsy the Moth in 1998. Which, it's always made me so happy that even though only two Pixar movies came out in her lifetime, she was in one of them and got some nice little moments in it. Yeah. And um, did you... Did you mention her other credits? Um, no, I guess we didn't. Um, she's most famous probably for her work with Mel Brooks. She's in Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein and High Anxiety. Um, she was in some other great comms like What's Up Doc, Clue a few years after the Muppet movie. Yeah, Clue, quite notably. Um, sure. Yeah, she probably has the most famous moment in the film, right? Yeah, she steals the movie with the whole flames on the side of my face speech. Yeah, Madeline Kahn. She's great. Look her. Look up her filmography. Watch them all. Even the bad movies, she is wonderful in. Yeah. Uh, so Kermit does not want to buy Madeline Kahn a drink, though, for for whatever reason. Um, then Telly Savalas shows up as uh, Madeline Kahn's boyfriend, presumably. He does not want Kermit to, uh, or does not want her to touch Kermit because she might get warts. Telly Savalas, um, he did not guest star on The Muppet Show. But he was uh, a very prolific actor. He was best known, of course, as being at TV's Kojak. Right. And, and I think that's the only way to describe him, right? I, that's the, he just is TV's Kojak. Yeah, that's how you have to refer to him. TV's Kojak, Telly Savalas. He was also, I, I feel like should be noted, he was also Blofeld in um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, right? 
Yeah, he Jim was Funnel. in. He might have been in another one of the. I don't know. At, but he at least... wasn't. He wasn't Blofeld on Muppets Tonight. No, he was not Blofeld on Muppets Tonight. Um, and which what's weird about Telly Savalas is, out of all the cameos in this movie, I'm pretty sure he's the only one where this is the only time he ever worked with the Muppets in any capacity. Mm, yeah, no, not of an episode of the Muppet Show, not a special, not a not variety Sesame show Street. appearance, not even Sesame not any. Yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. Um. You know. Um. Uh, I, I think that's true. I haven't looked it up, but I, going through the list in my mind, I feel like I can think of other times for all of them, except for him. Yeah, that's interesting. Something we'll have to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Now, Kermit's response to the accusation of giving Madeline Kahn warts is that that's not true. It's a myth. Myth. A and what? I, <laughs> a myth. I, I said myth. Uh, that oh, brings okay. us okay. to our next cameo, Carol Kane as the myth who comes up and says, yes. And uh, what a nice thing. This, what is a, a fabulous, so this is a fabulous joke. And let me tell you, uh, I used to teach mythology um, and my mythology students did not believe this was a fabulous joke. Too bad. <laughs> so did, wait, but did you show them the clip or did you just uh, do the joke in class? No, I just did the joke in class. That's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> um, Leave it to I, the professionals. I ch- I do need to mention that my wife, Rosalind, who I mentioned earlier, and I, do this joke every single time we hear the word myth or warts or expanding from when it comes up later. Um, we do it every time. We do the whole thing. I think Ouch. this is probably one of those things that at least half of the Muppet fan population does when they hear the word myth sure yeah i don't know how you could not yeah you, you just have to do the muppet joke when you hear the the uh the setup for it um carol kane is uh she's been in a million things she's probably best known for um a sitcom several years ago she played simka on taxi and also for a current sitcom she plays lillian on unbreakable kimmy schmidt and in between i feel like she might be also, like her other best known credit is probably playing uh, Valerie, the Miracle Max's wife in The Princess Bride. Yeah. Which is a very brief. I mean, it's, she gets more to do in that than she does here, certainly. But it's, she's only on screen for a couple <laughs> of minutes, but it's a very, very memorable performance. Yes, uh, the scene with uh, Billy Crystal. Yeah, Billy Crystal is Miracle Max, right? And of course, she's in old age makeup there and everything, but I feel like people must come up to her all the time and, you know, say. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife, or whatever, right? <laughs> I guess so. They um, they probably also say myth, myth to her. I'm sure, yeah. I would hope so. Um, and, oh, she's in Scrooged as well. I, You know, yeah. as, as we're recording this, it's December 18th, so I feel like I need to <laughs> note that. Wow, peek behind the curtain there. I don't like Scrooged, but I'm not going to sidetrack the conversation to talk about that. Yeah, that's I have a conversation no... for another podcast. I'll say, I, b- before my, my minute by minute Bill Murray podcast. Um, yes. If we were going to do a minute by minute Bill Murray podcast, I don't know that Scrooged is the best option. But I you think might the not want to start is... with that one. Well, you have to do them all in order, and then gradually, by the time you get to the one where he travels cross country with an elephant, you really regret that you've made this decision. Larger than life. Larger than um, life. I will say that once we get to Garfield, the Tale of Two Kitties, from the director of Muppets from Space, then it will all be worth it. 
All right, but anyway. <laughs> um, so have you guys ever... Uh, this is the kind of thing, yet again, that you only notice when you're watching two minutes at a time. Have you ever uh, watched Madeline Kahn after she walks away from the bar? No. Um, so while Kermit and Telly Savalas have their little exchange, she just kind of wanders into the background and up the staircase and then just kind of turns around and glares at Kermit. So I would be curious to know if that was something she came up with or something that she was directed to do by James Frawley, but it's uh, it's kind of funny that she's still in the shot the whole time. Huh. No, I never noticed. Yes. Mildly interesting. Sure. Um, oh, also, we were talking about M- Muppet Connections for each of the cameo guest stars. Carol Kane was on Sesame Street 10 years after this, um, apparently playing Nina the Nice, the only nice person in Grouchy Town, which I've never seen that, but I really want to. That sounds vaguely familiar. I think somebody may have uploaded it to YouTube. I don't know if it's still there, but you might be able to find that. Is Grouchy, is Grouchy Town a suburb of Grouchland? I hope so. I sure hope so. <laughs> Yeah, if you really want there to be a Sesame Street continuity, then it would have to be. Yeah, and we'll we'll address that in my minute minute by minute Elmo and Grouchland podcast. Oh man. <laughs> um. Anyway, the next thing we see is an alarm clock waking up the El Slizo piano player, played by Paul Williams. All right, I know that this isn't uncommon for for Muppet people to say, but every time I see Paul Williams, I just get irrationally irrationally happy like makes me so happy every time paul williams is just anywhere doing anything sure yeah that is also reasonable yeah i don't know i don't know if either of you guys saw baby driver but paul williams is in it oh i haven't seen it yet i didn't know he was in it yeah don't small role but oh yeah i mean i I figured nice i mean every every paul williams performance is a small role right (laughs) but it's very nice to see uh Well, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised because I had no idea he was going to be in it. Anyway, So anyway, listeners, go watch that movie for a variety of reasons, but uh, Paul Williams is one. Also, so I feel like you guys must have talked a lot about Paul Williams already, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he's great. He's great. Uh, has worked with the Muppets so, so many times and always does terrific work and does terrific work even when he's not with the Muppets. If you want to seek, seek out some Paul Williams albums. Or, uh, let's say, watch Batman the Animated Series, where he was the Penguin. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, I love him here uh, in this scene. Uh, it's, it's the perfect, the perfect role for him. Um, and and it's, it's just real great. Right. Well, yeah, did we mention that he is, he's also a person who appears in this film who guest starred on The Muppet Show? Oh, that's true. No, we did not. Yeah, so he's the... Fourth one, then. Number yeah. four. All right. They, they're, four we're racking them up like crazy here. Yeah. Four of nine. So keep listening. I yeah. love the uh, the sign, too. The, the don't shoot the piano player sign. Yeah. Don't shoot the piano player. So presumably that's a reference to the Elton John album, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. Well, it's it, it also... It feels like, you know, if you've ever looked at some of those old Jim Henson sketches of the early character designs of the Muppets, uh, Dr. Teeth um, was originally labeled as uh, Dr. Elton John, don't shoot the piano player, Teeth. Um, so it's clear that somebody somebody at Henson was just a big fan of that phrase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's probably good they didn't name Dr. Teeth that because that's way too many names. 
I just want to yeah. say, Ryan, there's absolutely no way that we know that Dr. Teeth's name isn't Dr. Elton John, Don't Shoot the Piano Player Teeth. That's true. Yeah. I've never seen his birth certificate. All we know is Dr. Teeth. We don't know what the rest of those names could be. That's true. I'm starting to wonder if he's even a real doctor, but that's that's a conversation for another podcast. Wow. If there's a degree on his wall, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I sure haven't. Um, but yeah, and then there's there's also, though, a, a movie from 1960 directed by Francois Truffaut called Shoot the Piano Player. And that movie starred Muppet Show guest star Charles Aznavour. So this sign might also be a reference to that. I don't know. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So um, one of the one of the great things about Paul Williams' appearance here is that not only is the he's he's a piano player, he's also the hype man for Fozzie Bear. Which what a great job! Yeah, he gives uh, Fozzie an introduction that is uh, similar to some of Kermit's introductions of Fozzie from the Muppet Show. A lot of alliteration. Like, he, does he say "fast and frantic"? Or he he definitely calls him frantic. He definitely does the the fabulous. Fabulous, funny man. Father Fabulous, Bear. freewheeling. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Some some f words, <laughs> but yeah. all clean f words. Right. Uh, and then here's Fozzie. Fozzie Bear's in this movie. Hey, Come so second Muppet. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of Fozzie Bear's filmography because maybe you haven't seen any of his other movies. Uh, so so Fozzie Bear would later go on to uh, have starring roles in um, The Great Muppet Caper and uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. Hmm. Uh, and some smaller roles in the movies uh, Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Muppets from Space. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe you've seen those movies. Um, Muppet Treasure yeah. Island is kind of like the giant elephant transported across the country movie of Fozzie Bear's filmography. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, but uh, yeah, so next time you're watching those movies, keep an eye out. If you see like a bear kind of like a light brown color looks like this that's that's fozzy uh making another appearance sure that's, that's a good thing to look out for yeah and uh, uh right we should note um we, we we introduced jim henson a little while ago uh thought this is frank oz's first appearance in the like body of the movie in the main main section of the movie after the screening room parts so who's frank oz who's this frank oz guy who is frank oz he was Jim Henson's longest-running puppeteer co-star, puppete- puppeteering mate. He started working with the Muppets in 1962 when he was 18 years old. And he worked with them in some capacity for the next 51 years. Um, I, I, as far as I could tell, his last appearance on Sesame Street so far was in 2013. So that's quite a career. That is a um, heck of a career. I mean, of course, he plays a lot of characters in this movie. He plays a lot of other Muppets. Um you know, he was famously Yoda in the Star Wars movies. Um, directed a bunch of movies, some of them good, some of them less good. And I think we can all agree that what he is best known for is directing the second Stepford Wives movie. Yeah, he directed the second Stepford Wives and the oh, first boy. Death at a Funeral. So Sorry, I'm sorry I keep <laughs> making these jokes about just bad parts of all of these people's careers. The Stepford Wives, yeah. I think, is the only movie that he has publicly denounced of his... Oh, I didn't know that he'd done that. Yeah, I just remember reading a, an interview where he was just like, yeah, that, yeah, we messed up. <laughs> oh, no, it was yeah. that. Um, but anyway, no, he's, he's fabulous at this, and he's done so much good work in, in so many other things. And not just, not just as, 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 as a puppeteer, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his work on uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which I think is beautifully directed. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, it's one. great. I think I think Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is terrific. I think What About Bob is terrific. Yeah, what you a know, guy. Made... What a guy, Frank Oz. Yeah, well, and uh, we should, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that Frank Oz is also yet another Pixar voice in this movie. Oh, that's he, true. He was Fungus in Monsters, Inc. and later Dave the Con- Consciousness Guard. So something like yeah, that in, 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 in Inside, Inside Out. Inside Out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so here he is as Fozzie, right? And can, can, can I just say, what an entrance for Fozzie here. He comes oh, out, so good. he has a rubber chicken, he has a harpo horn just honking away at it. He Two has sets of oversized glasses. <laughs> yes, he's wearing giant novelty sunglasses on top of Groucho glasses. Right, well, and he has you know Groucho what? glasses and a harpo horn. He's two Marx Brothers at once. Which I, I I cannot let that go uncommented upon. See, Fozzie Bear, Fozzie Bear is trying to prove uh, Coco Chanel wrong, in that when Fozzie Bear goes out, he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, "What else can I put on?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's just I I cannot imagine a better entrance for Fozzie's film debut. Yeah, and he enters he uh, in a flurry of waka waka wakas. Which, right. I, I counted 17 in the last 20 seconds of this clip. I, uh, I counted twice. I might be wrong because they come, they come fast and f- fast and furry, if you will. Ryan, you'll remember that uh, you, you and Joe of Tough Pigs once hosted uh, a Fozzie-themed Muppet Vault event, and you asked uh, the guests to count all of the Waka Wakas, not just in this scene, but in every Fozzie Bear scene that you showed. Yeah, Do you remember that, I was, the total? I don't remember the total, but I was going to mention that because uh, we found that in general, so everybody thinks of Waka Waka as being Fozzie's catchphrase that he says all the time, constantly. But we noticed that he he really almost never said it, or maybe even never said it at all in anything before this movie came out. And then after the Muppet movie, Fozzie's, Fozzie's Waka Wakas became a lot more frequent. So I don't know if this is where they came up with it. I, that, I know I he doesn't say it at all in season one of The Muppet Show, um, which I always say is best evidenced by the fact that when Rich Little does an impression of Fozzie Bear in the classic Rich Little episode of The Muppet Show, um, speaking of worst parts of everybody's <laughs> filmographies, um, <laughs> It, he doesn't do Waka Waka as part of his impression of Fozzie Bear. He just keeps going, ah, right, over right. and over again. And he doesn't and, go, he doesn't go, ah, he goes, ah. He sounds yeah. like the, he sounds like the, um, the Chamberlain Skeksis more than he sounds like Fozzie. <laughs> and he uh, keeps taking off his hat and putting it back on. Yeah, that classic Fozzie Bear move. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fozzie's, Fozzie's signature, yeah. I feel like is it one of the mysteries of like Muppet Muppet fandom where Waka Waka even came from? Like, what does it signify? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it means. I don't know where they actually got it. Um, there was um, Fozzie did an interview uh, in 2014 with Maxim because that was when Muppets Most Wanted came out and they were trying to promote it in every possible venue on the planet. So Fozzie did an interview with Maxim magazine. Uh, They asked him, where did your catchphrase Waka Waka come from? And he said, Waka Waka was a gift to me from my comedy mentor and joke writer, Gags Beasley. I think he got it from Ben Turpin. 
Ben Turpin being a silent film star. He said, Ben used it all the time in silent movies, but you couldn't hear it, so it had hardly any mileage when I got it. Huh. I mean, that's a good line. That's, that's yeah, a good that's, line. That's a good, that's a good joke. But it doesn't actually answer the question. No, <laughs> it's not a real answer, but it's a good comedy answer. Right. Although, it's, it's, it's always nice to hear a reference to Gags Beasley, who was mentioned on The Muppet Show as being Fozzie's comedy writer. So I like that that kept up all those years later. Yeah. 35 plus years later. Yeah, that's that's a nice uh, that they, that they keep consistent with that. <clears throat> um, and then there's also there's a rapper named Waka Flocka Flame whose name was inspired by Fozzie, and he sometimes wears a gold Fozzie action figure around his neck. And wouldn't you if you could afford it? I absolutely would. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I would probably I mean, wear a gold Uncle Deadly uh, action figure around my neck. Let me tell you, those Palisades Uncle Deadly action figures are pretty cheap. I got a glow-in-the-dark one, uh, pretty pretty low. Is that true? <laughs> I would think they were more expensive because... No, I mean, at least they were when I bought my glow-in-the-dark Uncle Deadly action figure. They were much cheaper than the other Palisades figures. I can, I can also uh, corroborate that I got my nephew on Palisades Uncle Deadly about three years ago for $15. Huh. At a... At a toy game store. So, so that was, was before. I mean, there's a new item, but that was before uh, the Muppets uh, ABC TV series. I wonder if uh... before the show, but after the Muppets 2011. Right. Which oh, is yeah. why my nephew loved Uncle Dead in the first. Yeah. One. I just wonder if uh, Uncle Value. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Uncle Deadly merchandise value has gone up since uh, <laughs> since the 2015 series because of that TV show that came. nobody watched and the people that. <laughs> Did watch it. We're very divided on its quality. Yes, I'm sure. But everyone who watched it loved Uncle Deadly. That's true. Became That's true. The... Uncle Deadly was the highlight. Yeah, I was gonna say since all of a sudden he became the best Muppet. Yeah. That's true. And he's now he's the host of their hit series, Muppet Thought of the Week. <laughs> Don't even get me started. All right. So I, I have to say about Fozzie, um, the crowd really hates Fozzie. Because they start booing him before he even tells a joke. <laughs> yeah, well, see, they came to see the Elslizo cuties, the dancing girls. Oh, that's so, fair. Yeah, they're just so disappointed that it's just this comedian instead. Yeah, and I mean, good grief, the comedian's a bear. He sure is. And that's that's pretty much it, right? For for this, I think that's where the clip ends. Yeah, yeah, that's all I have. Any other notes or thoughts on these minutes? That is all I had. I look forward to uh, never trying frog leg stroganoff. I can say that. Yeah, I just, I don't think I'll ever eat frog leg anything. No, me either. I look forward to always carrying a harpo horn with me. Oh, man. Please do. Solid plan in life, yes. Let us know how that turns out. Well, that is it for today. For this episode of Moving Right Along, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere else. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. That's another Marx Brothers reference. Oh, hello. Yeah. How about that? Now we just need a, a Chico and a Gummo. We'll, we'll work that into a future episode somewhere. <laughs> um, so, Evan. Tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, so I'm all over the place, um, but probably the uh, social media where you can find me the most is Tumblr. Um, in one of two places, either at Uncle Petunio, which is like an uncle, and then Petunio, which is like Petunia, except with an O instead of an A. Um, and also, if you're a fan of 
really, really in-depth breakdowns of things from the 1970s, like this show, um, you should check out my other Tumblr, uh, Daily Fantastic, where I do panel-by-panel -panel breakdowns of 70s Fantastic Four comics. Uh, and also, you can find my stuff on toughpigs.com, uh, where I contribute semi-regularly. Yes, and it's good stuff all around. And thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. And please give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends about the show and then tell them to give us a positive review on iTunes and then tell them to tell their friends. It, it just It's like a pyramid scheme, really. Um, and be sure to join us next week would, for another... Would you describe it as a Fozzie scheme? Wait, that didn't work so well. Um, I'm sure I'll get that joke about five minutes from now. Great. Join us next week. <laughs> Join us next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Waka waka. It was supposed to be like a Ponzi scheme. Oh, that was it. <laughs>